dare great things for Christ. Christ calls us to dare great things. In the marketplace, as well as in the mission field, there has never been a time like the present for the spirit of the Catholic entrepreneur. Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute. Everybody who's successful knows that great ideas are only the beginning. You need a strategic plan, you need helpers along the journey, and you need the staying power of pure determination. Does our faith have anything to do with this? Does being a Christian give an advantage to leaders? Or is there any overlap between the faith and the demands of our practical life? We believe that there is, and one of the best places to see it is in the beauty of grit. Hey everybody, and welcome to class number four on our series here on Audeo Leadership. I'm actually, don't know quite how long this class is going to go on in terms of how many sessions we're going to have in a row, but I wanted to take you at least through the first five of the series on Audeo. Now remember what that means. Audeo stands for the, the five moments of any human action and the five places, therefore, where all leadership is encapsulated and found. And no matter what leadership person's out there or whatever coach is out there or whatever they're talking about, they're going to be referring to one of these five categories. The first is A for aspire, your ability to come up with great ideas and to dream the mighty dreams, right? Uh, U for understanding, your ability to look at the situation and to make the choices and the focus necessary to create a strategy that's going to be effective. Then you have the D for drive, and there's two aspects of that driving. The first is actually engaging via an imperium, an act of the mind saying to do it and to pass out of planning into action. And the second half of drive is what we're gonna talk about today. And that's the, the ability to make it through the different obstacles that come your way inevitably and having the strength of Christ in you to endure all those obstacles. And then, of course, the, the fifth and final is to engage others, or EO. And that's your ability to create that team, to share your vision and your mission and your passion, and to pass on a legacy on the inside uh, from your own heart to the hearts of those who will be impacted by you. So those five categories spell out the word audeo, which is actually the Latin word meaning I dare. Right? So we are here at the St. John Leadership Network. We're teaching you Audeo, taking you through an overview of these five moments, these five stages, right? And this is the fourth of those five, which is the, the stage dedicated to implementing your plan, right? So now here, just like in the other areas, what we want to say is really important for everyone to pay attention to. A Christian leader should be a better leader than a non-Christian leader. And we're not putting anybody down by, based upon their faith. We're not saying that, you know, whatever. But the performance of a Christian should be influenced by their faith. Leadership, in other words, is not something that's neutral with respect to our faith. It's something that flows from our faith, that our faith creates and makes an impact in us, you know, uh, and is almost the fruit of faith. 
If you show me, in other words, someone who believes in God and who has let Jesus Christ and his grace penetrate their life, you should be looking at somebody who is free, whose heart has been freed from the past and has been strengthened by God's grace for the present and who has a vision for the future that is as high and as deep as the wisdom of God. Right? I mean, in other words, our faith leads, leads you to a, a humanity that is more robust, more dynamic, more driven, more resilient than a humanity that is outside of that faith. And I think that that thought is not only attractive in terms of our, our leadership of our organizations and, and of our families, but it's just attractive, period, with respect to trying to make the case for Christianity in our world. A modern person today, as you know, most of your friends, they go through life and they're looking for where, what is the payoff of faith? The number of times as a priest, I have to deal with people, for example, who say, Father Nathan, I don't feel like I need God. What, what do I need God for, right? And sometimes you find Christians who actually don't know how to answer that, right? We look at that, oh shoot, yeah, what do you, well, God will make you happy. And then the people say, well, I'm happy without God, right? <laughs> and you're like, oh shoot. Um, well, what, 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 where you need God, and I'll put it this way, you will take your faith as seriously as you take yourself. And what I mean by that is that when you're talking about God, remember that you're talking about the highest end goal that any creature could ever attain. What I, mean, I mean, God is the, the, the end for which we do everything that we do. So if you define God and that end for which all human actions are tending and the, the desires of all of our heart, if you say that that is an infinite act of pure love, you've defined a, a course for your humanity to run on, which is a one dedicated to love and to the self-gift that is the authentic arbiter of true human greatness. If you take God out of the perspective, what are you replacing him with? What, money? You know, pleasure? I mean, you're going to put something there and say that that is God, that that's the ultimate arbiter of human success. What, what, what would it be? Good genes, you know, being left behind you? I mean, there's all kinds of crazy definitions out there. The ultimate arbiter of success is what kind of house you have. It's what kind of kids you have. It's what kind of, how, what people think of you, whether or not they make a statue of you and put it on a lawn. And all those things are fine, but they're less than to say the ultimate act that a human being can do is to be one with the eternal father as he gives love to his eternal son in the Holy Spirit. Now, again, regardless of the act of faith that people can have and, 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 which, and the respect we owe all people, that latter proposition is superior. No philosophy, no religion aims at a deeper and a more magnificent definition of human greatness as Christianity. And that means that if we really live that and embrace that perspective, that I made my soul in a way that's unrepeatable uh, to live in an act of total love in, in, for eternally, infinitely, in unity with my God, my life will be extraordinary. And the depths and the heights of the greatness that I will try to attain by the perfection of my love here on earth is a treasure for all humanity. Christian leaders are leaders who make a deeper impact because Christian leaders lead for God and they lead from God. And God is not an enemy of humanity. God is its best friend 
And he's what enables an authentically, truly profound humanity to flourish on the earth. We don't need, in other words, fewer Christians in leadership. We need more Christians in leadership. Leadership of all the places of power and influence in our society, 100%. But let them be truly Christians there in the world, but not of it, but in the world. And, and that's where we're, what we're talking about when we talk about the importance of Christian leadership. It means people whose actions have been transformed by grace to be the most impactful and influential actions possible. Their aspirations there are, are the, for the highest and most noble of things. Their understanding takes into account even the breakdowns and the weaknesses of their teammate in order to bring the team in its perfection along with the product. Their drive is incessant and their ability to share what they have into a true community of other peoples is a, is, is a model. This is why we need A-U-D-E-O, Audeo leadership. And this is why we need Christians to embrace leadership everywhere that they go. Would you like to hear more from Father Nathan? Join the St. John Leadership Network and receive a two-minute glance at the gospel every Sunday morning right to your phone. To learn more, go to www.stjohnleadershipnetwork.org member and join for free today. So I want to share with you a little bit about the beauty of grit. And I love that, that expression, right? Because usually you think of grit as something dirty, something is not clean, something that's, you know, just not a, in a state of perfection. We tend to define perfection as an absence of dirt, right? Or an, uh, perfection is an absence of errors. And so when we encounter errors or we encounter failures in different aspects of our systems, we get embarrassed, it's almost like, you know, inviting someone over to your house and you've got dirty walls. And so you try to hide the dirt on the walls. You don't want people to see that because that would mean that somehow or other your house wasn't perfect. And you can kind of laugh and you say, no, it means that your house has kids in it. <laughs> it's a, maybe a different type of perfection to have dirty walls because it means that your house is being lived in in exchange. But that's not how we think of it. We, we oftentimes paint such a picture of perfection in our minds that it becomes unattainable for us, which is why when imperfection hits or failure hits or the situation around us changes, a lot of people simply quit. If to find someone who perseveres through all of the muck and the challenges that are thrown their way is not an easy thing in today's world. We live in a society that favorizes quitting. We tend to glorify the dramatic failure of things where you lose and it's not your fault. It's because something else happened and you are good, but nobody knows it, etc. And it's almost like we make it okay to lose as long as it wasn't your fault. And what's behind that often is just an acceptance of quitting in the end. When life gets hard, it's okay to quit. And, and of course, sometimes it is. I'm, I'm not making this an absolute. But there's also a quality that is very strongly emphasized in the New Testament. And it's a quality where you don't quit, where you endure and you persevere because of the goal that you've laid out in front of you. The, the height of what you're trying to achieve draws you through the jungles and through the different obstacles in your way to achieve something that's greater than what you thought you might be able to do. 
This is what St. Thomas Aquinas defines as the number one feature of fortitude. He says, fortitude is the ability to withstand opposition, to endure pain. I mean, even Rocky Balboa puts it beautifully. He says, life is not about how hard you can hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. Right? And, and that's an important point because it means that getting hit, getting knocked around, having to change perspectives, adjusting your plans, all these things are part and parcel of what it means to actively be engaged in life. And it might strike you as being silly, but there's a great example of this, which is the bar-headed goose. Now, you might not think of that as a really eloquent example, but when you, when you read about this goose, you can't help but being amazed. It's amongst the highest flying, highest altitude flying birds in the world. And it, they've seen this bird over 23,000 feet in the, and, in the Himalayan mountains, and it migrates every year across the Himalayas. Well, when you watch this bird in flight, it's amazing because the winds will move it. You have the strong, some of the strongest winds on earth blowing against it. It's flying at 23,000 feet of altitude with extremely little oxygen, able to, to sustain the highest vertical climbs of any bird that's ever been recorded. Meaning it doesn't just ride the wind. It actually, when the wind is dying down, it fights upward by its own efforts to get to this altitude. And, and you, you watch these birds and the, the shifting environment around them actually is what encourages their flight path. And it's a wonderful example because when you're flying, you're actually simply falling. <laughs> you're falling with control. Right? And you'll eventually land again somewhere. So you just made a, a trajectory for yourself called flight, which is really you, you falling forward. And I love that image of, of a bird in flight because there's nothing underneath them sustaining them except their will to not die and not go down. And, and that, that same image of a bird in flight is like when you, when you open your first business, it's you when you give birth to your first child, it's you when you decide to get married, it's you when you engage in a, 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 the quest for something greater than yourself. You do not know how it's going to end up. You have no guarantee for success, but you know that you're all in. Like Cortez, the explorer, when he reached the new world and he unloaded all the things from his ships, he turned around and he commanded that his ships be burned, burned, just to keep his troops properly motivated, right? Because there's no going back. There's no way out. The only way out is forward. What an amazing perspective to then look at that and say, I see that same drive and that same insistence from St. Paul. You look back in the New Testament, the New Testament uses the word for perseverance or endurance 32 times, 32 times. 19 of them are in St. Paul, the vast majority of them, where he emphasizes this Greek concept called hypomone. Hypomone is the, is the Greek word that we translate as perseverance, as, as grit. And Paul emphasizes it 19 times. We Christians need to have this patient endurance that the, the, the muck and the difficulties and the challenges that are thrown at us are not the problem. A ship is made for waves, right? A hammer is made for tough nails. A house's walls are made to withstand the winds and the rains that come upon them. 
Having challenges in life, in other words, is not, is not an issue to be resolved. It's a reality to be embraced. Wherever there is a problem, there is the vocation of the leader. I was sent by Christ into a broken world in order to allow him through my efforts to heal it, to fix it, to repair it. And that means that the playing field for leadership is the, is the field of problems and, and challenges that, that happen. Well, problems and challenges, they're going to buffet us around. I mean, you can't predict everything. You can't control everything ahead of time. You can make the most wonderful three-year plan possible, but you better be ready to revise it every quarter. Right? Because who knows what's going to happen the next three years? Who knows what's going to happen tomorrow? No one. So you do your best, your best that you can, you focus, but then you have to constantly realign to readjust in the circumstances around you. And that readjustment will make you look imperfect. It will make you look messy. Hey, but I remember that great quote by G.K. Chesterton. Anything worth doing is worth doing poorly. <laughs> Isn't that great? Anything worth doing is worth doing poorly. Who the heck cares what everybody around you thinks as long as you're winning? And the fact is the same people that are going to criticize you about the way that you're winning would probably be incapable of winning in the same circumstances themselves. It's easy to be a critic, to sit on the fence and point out where the doer of deeds could have done them better or where the strong man has appeared weak. It's easy to do that. It's much harder to be the one in the arena and who accepts to get knocked around but refuses to quit. To find that pathway like the bar-headed goose over the Himalayan mountains, regardless of how high and how strong the winds, no matter what comes their way, they're going to make that flight. Wouldn't it be amazing to be married to somebody who had that same determination for their family? Or to be following a boss who had that same determination for the prosperity of the company? That's right. Well, I think Jesus Christ is calling us to be those kind of people. Not afraid of grit. Finding grit something beautiful. Would you like to start your Thursday mornings with a scriptural leadership lesson? Join the St. John Leadership Network, where Father Nathan hosts a 30-minute call at 6.30 a.m. in all four U.S. time zones. To learn more, go to www.stjohnleadershipnetwork.org slash member and join for free today. Shortly after I was ordained a priest, I was invited to preach a retreat for college-age uh, women. And it was a beautiful retreat, really wonderful. And it emphasized the unconditional love of God for these, for these girls and really built them up. And I thought it was a wonderful experience. And they asked me to, to just give the last talk at the retreat. And so I walked into a room of, you know, of women who'd really heard uh, the, the beauty of who they were and of being affirmed in God's love and his mercy for them. And then there came the final talk, and I thought, what am I going to add to this? Because they've heard all that message. And I told them the tale about a woman's hands. And look at your hands now. And of course, they were all young and just beautiful and, 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 and soft and other hands looking just in perfect form. And I said, now compare those hands to the hands of your mom. Think about what her hands look like. And usually mother's hands don't quite look, <laughs> don't quite look as charming as a, you know, a 21 year old who has not yet really plied herself to life. And then I challenged them, now think to yourself, which pair of hands is more beautiful? Right? Would you be able to recognize your mother's hands when she was 21? 
I bet you couldn't, but you could recognize them now. All of the care of life and the, the gift of self that went into every little bump or every imperfection on those hands actually made her hands even more beautiful because now those hands have been used. They've been deployed. They've been thrown against the real forces of life and they've been driven into acts of service that, that have shaped them or misshaped them. Yep. But that drive that's put them into service is called love. And so every scar on a mother's hands or a father's hands for that matter is actually a, a token of the love that they had in their life and that, that motivated them to, to use those hands. And I think that that image speaks to us about what, why I call grit something beautiful. It's not because it's fun to change your strategic plan mid-year or it's fun to have to restart a budget or have to rehire a position or have to rebuild some sort of computer thing that went wrong or overcome a glitch. None of that's fun at all. We all wish we didn't have those things, but it's actually part of a myth that can slow us down to think that those things won't exist. I mean, what kind of universe do we live in to think that having problems is a problem? I mean, having a problem is why we have leaders. It's amazing. And that means that my ability to pivot, to change, is actually as essential to leadership as my ability to come up with great ideas or my, my ability to plan them or my, my ability to start them. To change, to pivot, is to be, and to be flexible is actually the key to making success in a world that's constantly changing changing in the marketplace, changing in my personnel, changing in my own spirit, my own health. I've got to be able to be adaptable. It's, one of, it's a strange thing we don't teach our children this better in the school systems. We, we kind of reward having perfect planning and then perfect execution without, while really ignoring that execution in a changing environment requires adaptability and resilience. That, that is an uncommon trait in the human heart today. Although it's not an uncommon trait for Christianity. When Jesus came to the earth, remember he promised us a goal that was far off and the highest of all things, but only at the very end of our life. It's called heaven. And that in heaven, we would have no more questions, no more pains, no more sorrow. And that in heaven, everything that we endured on this earth would be paid back to us a hundredfold if only we stay faithful and walk in his path, which means that our life on earth is really one of endurance. To endure the, the suffering of waiting for heaven, to endure the sufferings that come our way from persevering and sacrificing so much of what the world considers to be of value for the sake of Jesus and the promise of his word. Right? That means that the, one of the essential attributes of a Christian heart is a constancy towards the end goal, regardless of the cost that happens along the way, even to the point of being willing to endure martyrdom if necessary, in order to stay faithful to the promise that Jesus has made of the glory that's laid up for us in heaven. I mean, that's incredible. I wonder if I could take some of that ethos and say, can I apply that to my work life? Well, absolutely I can. And not, not for the same, it's the same way. I mean, heaven and a paycheck are not exactly <laughs> the same thing. But what if I were to look at my job and my work as if God had sent me there? As if, in fact, this was part of the mission that he gave me on this earth. 
I'd have to, of course, accept due limitations. There's times to quit. There's times where you got to shift. But like, I wouldn't allow my heart to be overcome even by my failures in my business. I'm here, in other words, to do all that I can with the gifts that God gave me to glorify him. My work is an act of love that flows from my free heart that's been freed by Jesus back to him. And my workplace is a hymn of love between Jesus and me where I'm doing what I'm doing because he's asked me to dare something great with my talents. And this is where life has put me. This is where God has put me. And so I'm going to put all my energies and all of my drive into doing the very best that I can. Let me do all the good that I can for as many as I can for as long as I can. And when problems come my way, I face them with the strength of God. I rely upon my faith, in other words, to give me the strength that I need to perform as at the best of my abilities every day at work. A believer ought to see their workplace as an extension of God's gift to the world. I mean, if God made you a lawyer, he's given you a mind and an organizational ability and an ability to reason your way through things. That's a gift to untangle a pathway for the people who are your clients to walk and to continue to do good things with their energies and their resources. And we need to deploy that gift. If we didn't have good lawyers, we would not have a well-functioning society. Same thing with real estate agents. I mean, what a gift to have the realtors of this world act ethically and be trustworthy in what they represent for their clients and, and so forth. Well, then you have this dual, dual perspective, therefore, both of which are fueled by love. That my, my, my work is my gift back to the God who gave me his gifts. And that my work is a gift to my world from God as God blesses this world through me. And that's just an incredible perspective. That's the Christian perspective. Well, that perspective is so profound. We don't want to let it go. We, we, we need to persevere through all the things that happen our way. Grit becomes a beautiful thing. Because grit becomes the sign of love in a difficult situation. God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son to give his life upon the cross. Well, God so loved the world that he gave that entrepreneur to the city so to show God's love as they give their life at their computer and as they give their life in their shop and they give their life to make payroll again and again and again. And that burden in, in, is a very real sharing in the suffering of Christ to glorify God and to save a broken world. It's a beautiful thing to persevere and a beautiful thing to endure what comes our way when we do it out of love. Dare great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at info at stjohninstitute.org. That's info at stjohninstitute.org. And don't forget to subscribe to premium video content to form, unite, and inspire you at Eagle Eye Pro on our website, eagleeyeministries.org. That's eagleeyeministries.org.